Hello and welcome to H2 Orthopedics. My name is Mike Begg. I'm a certified physician assistant and certified athletic trainer. I have a doctorate degree in medical science and over 30 years of experience in sports medicine, orthopedics, and medical education. My goal is to take your orthopedic diagnosis or injury and help you make sense of it. Welcome to H2 Orthopedics. Hello and welcome to another edition of H2 Orthopedics. This is Mike. I'm your host. And today's topic is uh, kind of an interesting one, a little bit more focused maybe than we've had in the past. Uh, it's going to be on radial head fractures. So this was a this is a question that um, I thought should be answered. No one specifically uh, you know wrote in and asked about it, but I've seen a few of these in the clinic in the last, oh, I don't know, two or three weeks. As uh, here in Colorado, things are getting a little icy and people are falling. And they're having, uh, you know, landing on their arm or trying to catch themselves as they fall. So outstretched arm and they're coming in with elbow pain and the radial head fracture is always something we have to think of or be, con- you know, considering with that presentation. So I thought it'd be a good one to touch on. Um, there's a couple little caveats to it and uh, it's a actually pretty interesting little fracture. So uh, we'll start with radial head fractures here. So just like uh, typically, we're going to talk about normal anatomy. So the forearm uh, from your elbow to your wrist, what we're talking about, is really pretty interesting part of the body in that if you're standing up and you put your arms out to your side, elbows you know, fully extended so your arms are straight, and your palms are facing forward, the two bones, the radius and the ulna that make up your forearm, are, are basically side by side. And there's a space between them called the interosseous membrane. Uh, but they're side by side, kind of running parallel. You know, there's some curvature to the bone, but roughly running parallel. If you then keep your elbow pinned to your you know, to your belt line there and just rotate. So now the back of your hand is, is facing forward, uh, what we would call pronation. Uh, the radius actually rotates around the ulna. So it's, it's relatively fixed down at the wrist, but up at the elbow, the radius comes up and there's a little kind of round area up there. It's like a, a very flat socket, almost like a lifesaver uh, shaped thing. And it rotates. And so with your hands facing forward, two bones are parallel hands facing backward, that radius now is crossing over the ulna, almost like when you cross your fingers. So it's pretty interesting, pretty cool, actually, the way that all kind of comes together and works. And the mobility of that that radial capitellar joint or the, the radius up at the elbow allows for that to happen. The ulna is kind of that bump, you know, your where your funny bone is when you bang your elbow. That's the ulna. That's the, you know, the, the forearm bone at the elbow. The radius actually is is short of that. And it's on the outside, again, hand facing forward. It would be on the lateral side or the outside of the elbow at that point. So that's normal anatomy. Injured anatomy happens when you trip or fall or whatever, whatever mechanism it is, whatever story you have. But basically you fall. When you're falling, the natural uh, reaction is to put your hand out to try to catch yourself. So you put your palm down, pronation, and then you land on your elbow that's, if it's rigid or fixed or straight, all the forces go from your, you know, from the ground to your hand and then right up that radius. And it can cause a radial head fracture. It can cause an elbow dislocation. It can cause all sorts of things. But today we're going to talk about the radial head fracture. The radial head is the very end of the radius up at your elbow. So again, it's kind of that small, um, almost lifesaver shaped. It has a little bit of a, of a divot in the center. Um, it's rounded. Um, it's a, I'm going to just make up a number here. It's probably about a centimeter uh, high, and then it kind of fades into what we call the radial neck, and then it goes down the radial shaft. Um, it articulates or makes a joint with part of the humerus, part of the upper arm bone, 
uh, called the capitellum. And again, that's where it rotates when we do palm forward, palm back. We were just talking about where it rotates around the ulna. So a radial head fracture is pretty common. I mean, it's not the most common fracture we see, but it's fairly common, um, especially with that mechanism. So when you land and you fall forward, outstretched arm, you know, it's about you know, 4 or 5% of all fractures um, will be this radial head fracture. Um, you can dislocate your elbow at the same time. You know, you can have all other sorts of things, but just a pure radial head fracture happens, you know, five or so percent of the time, which is not trivial, but it's not, uh, you know, it's not all that often. Again, your arm's usually in that, that fully extended position. Um, most of the time, or, or, you know, it's not unusual, I guess, to, to have other injuries like ligamentous injuries or, you know, soft tissue injuries. There's some collateral ligaments, meaning one on the inside, one on the outside, medial and lateral collateral ligaments uh, of the elbow uh, that can be injured with, you know, with that force that goes through that the radial head, you know, releases or breaks all that energy kind of breaks the bone. And then that force continues in and, and can cause injury to the uh, collateral ligaments. You can have injury to the cord, the, you know, the, the coronoid that actually uh, where the, the radius articulates. You can have fractures to the, you know, lecrin on that big bone. That we're talking about the, the ulna that makes up your elbow. The other thing that, that really kind of is specific to a radial head fracture that uh, we need to be aware and you should be aware of if you fall in and you land and you have pain on the outside of your elbow. But if you also have wrist pain, yeah, you can break your radius, you can break the bones of your wrist. But if you disrupt the ligaments between the two bones, that interosseous membrane, and it becomes unstable, that presents a whole new unique kind of a scenario. Uh, it's got a cool name. Essex Lopresti is the name of that injury when you have a radial head fracture and injury to that to that ligamentous membrane, uh, but it's it's something that needs to be recognized and treated kind of differently, or at least with having that in mind, that, that extra soft tissue injury in mind when you're treating that radial uh, head or neck fracture. So um, again, that's we'll get to that in a second, but you fall, you land on that outstretched arm, that force goes from your hand up through the radius, up to that radial head, and then there's, you know, all sorts of things can happen once, you know, once that force causes a fracture. So uh, there's kind of a classification system that we use. You know, type one is kind of, you see it on an x-ray, but sometimes they're hard to see, quite honestly. Uh, you, it's really something we have to be aware of uh, when you come in and you give, a, give that story and we start to palpate or push around that outside of your elbow. If you have pain right where that radial head is, we have to be highly suspicious of a fracture. And sometimes, you know, these type ones are not all that easy to see because uh, they're non-displaced or minimally displaced. So a little bit of a step off, a little bit of a change of shape to that radial head kind of dish area, that articular surface, uh, but just by, by a couple of millimeters. And if the x-ray is not at the right angle, sometimes that's really hard to see. And we need to, to get a CT scan. Along with the x-ray, we have to check for motion. So we would take your arm, have you pin your elbow, bend it at 90 degrees, take your forearm, palm up to palm down, and see if you can actually rotate that radius uh, as it should be. So we look at for the, the fracture location, and displacement, and is there any mechanical blockage? Can you actually do that, or is there enough of a step off that, or a change of shape to that radial head that you physically, it's blocking you? So again, the type ones, no mechanical rotation, and you know, pretty minimal step off. Type two are just a little bit more. So there is displacement, more than say two millimeters, and um, maybe some of that mechanical blockage, which makes sense if there's more of a step off, more of a change of shape to that that radial head surface that's making the joint. Uh, then it's going to typically want to physically block you from from moving. So type type twos are a little more aggressive. They're they're a little bigger deal. Uh, type threes are when it's just kind of blasted. Um, 
you know, what we call common nudists or more than more than two pieces. There's several pieces in there, and there's typically mechanical blocks for that, just because it's kind of like gravel in there. You just can't move it back and forth. And then type four is when you have that radial head fracture with a dislocated elbow. Again, the the SS Lopressi is when you have that radial head fracture, any of these classifications, but you've also disrupted that that membrane between the two bones going down into your forearm, making the wrist joint, what we call the distal radial ulnar joint, unstable. And when it's unstable and you have a fracture at the other end of the radial head, now that radius actually can shorten or move around kind of up and down like pistoning almost in your forearm. And that can cause all sorts of problems both at the wrist and the elbow. So that needs to be addressed, but it first needs to be recognized. So those are the fractures and the fracture pattern. What do we do about them? So how do we fix these things? How do we you know, address them? Again, x-rays, always the first step. And there should be a high, you know, high likelihood to get that x-ray or high suspicion that you have a fracture. If you go in, you give that story, or if you're just, you know, kind of talking to yourself and say, man, I fell, landed on my outstretched arm. Uh, yeah, my hand and my wrist is kind of scraped up, but my elbow really hurts. And it's the outside or the lateral part of your elbow. Go in and get an x-ray. Don't, don't let this one just kind of slide. Uh, this is something you want to know about, especially if you have that, uh, any of the soft tissue injuries along with that bony fragment or fracture. And we want to know where that fracture is, how displaced is it, and you know, does it need to be fixed. Type 1s, those kind of minimally displaced, no blockage, no mechanical blockage, don't really need to go to the operating room. They'll, they'll heal up just by, you know, by giving it some time. Uh, but the elbow is a unique part of the body that we can't immobilize you for a long period of time or it will get stiff. So usually it's a very short you know, period of immobilization, you know, maybe three, five, up to seven days of just saying, right, let this, let this kind of settle down, but we want you to start moving it. We want you to do some you know, supination and pronation, palm up, palm down, kind of rotating that radial head as it's healing, straight elbow, bent elbow, no, you know, no heavy weight to it, but we want you to move the elbow uh, while it's healing so the joint itself doesn't get stiff. The types, say, twos, more aggressive, mechanical displacement, more fragments, more displacement to that fragment, they should be fixed. So there's a surgical procedure where we can go in, and depending on what you, you know, what you find when you get there, uh, if it's a big enough piece, maybe it's just one big chunk kind of fell off the main shaft or the main part of that, you can put a plate and some screws or sometimes just some screws, but usually there's kind of a plate, maybe shaped like a T, a small T that goes, it's made specially for the bone, and you, you put that on that fracture piece, putting it back onto the main piece of bone and hold it there long enough. And the rehab is really pretty similar. It's fairly aggressive. We got to get this thing moving. Uh, so one of the benefits about holding it or fixing it is that you can actually have more, more confidence that moving it is okay. And anytime you have that fracture and you're in the operating room, uh, the surgeon should be evaluating the stability of that distal radial ulnar joint. He should be looking to see, is there a chance that there has been some disruption of that interosseous membrane, that ligament between the two bones, uh, that would lead to distal radial ulnar joint instability or wrist into the bone instability. And if there is, they need to address that at the time of surgery. Uh, so those type twos, uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, find that bigger piece, put it back together. What we're really looking for is making sure that articular surface, that, again, the inside of that uh, lifesaver part that's making up the joint when it's rubbing against the other bone, needs to be smooth. Uh, within two, two millimeters would be the maximum displacement. Ideally, it'd be a little bit better than that. Uh, there's a coating cartilage that allows type 1s and then fixing type 2s. Um, and potentially type threes, but fixing you know, the more aggressive types. We want to make sure that that cartilage is as smooth as possible because as you lose that cartilage, 
you would have an arthritic condition of the joint and potentially create loose bodies and other problems down the road. So type one, usually non-operative. Type twos, we can go into the operating room, fix it with a plate and screws or just screws. But we're really looking at that surface of the joint where the radius makes the, the joint with a capitellum at the end of the humerus. So, uh, so those are types, you know, ones and twos. Type three means that it's really what we would term comminuted, lots of pieces. And typically, um, you can try to fix this, so you can kind of put these pieces together, but usually three or more pieces, it's really hard. These, it's not a very big bone for one, so three or four pieces are pretty small. And then um, you're trying to piece them back together again with the goal of getting it stable, hard to get screws into each one of those pieces, hard to really hold it together. So it's not unusual for us to remove all those pieces and put an artificial radial head in. And the benefit of that is it keeps that radius out to length, which is key, because the whole thing, the whole bone, again, is articulating or making a joint, you know, we'll do that supination, pronation, palm up, palm down. Um, it's rotating around the, the uh, ulna. And if it shortens, you have wrist problems and you have kind of functional problems of the forearm. Uh, so we need to keep it out to length. You don't want to overstuff it. Don't want to put too much in there. Uh, but we definitely need to keep uh, that out to the to normal length. So we can take take out the pieces, kind of clean up the end of the bone, and then put in a, an artificial metal, usually, uh, radial head. There's a little shaft that goes down the radius, and then you put this, you know, radial head that's made out of metal. Looks just like the the normal one. Put that in the in that space there. It's a spacer, uh, but it's made of metal, and it will articulate with the capitone and make up the new the new joint. Pretty uh, pretty slick, pretty easy, and quick recovery. Quite honestly, we you know nothing has to really heal other than the approach, the soft tissue injury, and you can get that thing moving right away. And a, a lady comes to mind who a sweet sweet lady. She's probably thirty five or forty. Uh, she came in, she had slipped. It was in the winter. This was a long time ago, but she slipped delivering pizza at a hotel. She went into the lobby. Uh, her feet were wet or ice, you know, there was snow outside. So they were wet. She hit the tile floor as she was going into the entryway of the hotel, holding a pizza. She slipped and fell uh, and landed and broke her, just demolished her radial head. Uh, she came to see us. She was devastated. Um, she needed to get back to work. It was, you know, it was a sad story, you know, single mother, didn't have any money, his only job, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, she was, she was devastated. Uh, and because of the way the fracture presented itself, we did a, a radial head arthroplasty or replacement. And she was able to get back to at least some type of work fairly quickly within a week or two. And, you know, even though she had gone through a horrible injury, she was that, one of the happiest patients I can remember. She was so pleased because she could get back out there and start making money for her family and, you know, putting food on the table as best she could. So, it comes to mind when I think about radial heads. She was a great lady, loved loved treating her, and it was really you know rewarding uh, to get her back out there. But that that's the presentation of the fracture. It was demolished. I remember seeing it. We opened it up, and it was just you know just you know gravel in there. So uh, again, types four that goes on to a to a totally different level of the elbow itself actually dislocating. So we don't get too much into that. But if we go into that uh, excess lepresti idea again, that radial head. Replacement is kind of critical there because, again, we need that length stability, that longitudinal stability uh, of, that, of that forearm, which helps the wrist joint. So the radial head, when it's normal, when it's healthy, it gives what we call valgus uh, stability to the joint. So side-to-side stability, but it also gives longitudinal stability, so it keeps the forearm to the right length. And if it shortens, uh, or let's say we took the radial head out, which is an option that not many patients would meet criteria for. If you're very sedentary, if you're very sick, if there's just very low demand, sometimes we would not do that replacement of the radial head. But in today's age, I just that's a very unusual uh, scenario, at least for where where I work or where I, you know the people I help take care of. 
but you could take it out. But the, this problem is they have instability side to side and they have the potential for shortening of that radius, uh, which can obviously be a big issue like we talked about with the wrist and the forearm altogether. But during the procedure, if you feel like there's enough energy to break that radial head, you have to check, we would have to check the uh, stability of that distal radial ulnar joint. And if there's a, a concern of instability, uh, then there's techniques like pinning that joint or even reconstructing that interosseous membrane uh, to give it stability uh, for future, you know, functional use of the forearm. So again, I wanted to jump into this. We saw two or three of these you know, in the last week or two. It's just that time of the year and people are slipping and falling, landing on an outstretched arm and they come in with elbow pain. We have to check for stability. We have to check for potential radial head fractures and we have to check for potential distal radial ulnar joint instability. Uh, so instability at the elbow itself, but also just uh, instability distally or down towards the wrist because all these things come together. And they, they all kind of uh, need to be evaluated with that story. So uh, kind of a quick one today, uh, radial head fractures. Um, but again, time of the year, if you slip and fall, you land on your outstretched hand. Uh, again, you're usually going to have some wrist pain. We'll talk about distal radius fractures or wrist fractures. We can talk about that another time. But if you have elbow pain, don't ignore it. That's something that really needs to be evaluated uh, fairly quickly and fairly, you know, fairly extensively to make sure that these other issues have not occurred at the same time. And if they have, there's, there's reasonably good options out there uh, to get you fixed up and get you back out on the road. So I uh, hope that helps. If you have any questions, you know how to get a hold of me, uh, h2orthopedics.com. You can email me at topics at h2orthopedics.com. If you have other uh, topics you want me to talk about, if there's something I missed, if there's some questions about this, just, just shoot me a line. Uh, it's been great. I hear from people, you know, most every day there'll be a, a comment or a question or a topic to talk about. And it's kind of fun to see this thing, to see that uh, y'all are, are listening to this and maybe getting something out of it. So that's what I do it. I appreciate your, your feedback and I'm happy to help. So as always, until we talk again, do your best to stay active, stay healthy, and put a smile on somebody else's face. All right, talk to you later.